0: Today's scripture reading comes from Acts 26, verses 9 through 19. I too was convinced that I ought to do all that was possible to oppose the name of Jesus of Nazareth. And that is just what I did in Jerusalem. On the authority of the chief priests, I put many of the Lord's people in prison, and when they were put to death, I cast my vote against them. Many a time I went from one synagogue to another, to have them punished, and I tried to force them to blasphemy. I was so obsessed with persecuting them that I even hunted them down in foreign cities. On one of these journeys, I was going to Damascus with the authority and commission of the chief priests. About noon, King Agrippa, as I was on the road, I saw a light from heaven, brighter than the sun, blazing around me and my companions. We all fell to the ground, and I heard a voice saying to me in Aramaic, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? It is hard for you to kick against the goads. Then I asked, Who are you, Lord? I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting, the Lord replied. Now get up and stand on your feet. I have appeared to you to appoint you as a servant and as a witness of what you have seen and will see of me. I will rescue you from your own people and from the Gentiles. I am sending you to them to open their eyes and turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God so that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. So then, King Agrippa, I was not disobedient to the vision from heaven. This is the word of God for the people of God.
1: Will you pray with me and for me this morning? Holy God, we stand in your presence in awe of your mercy and your love for us. Help us this morning to hear your story of redemption to your people. Help us to make it our story. To make our story part of your story, Lord. And to see where you're at work in our lives. So we pray that your spirit would be at work in us this morning to help us to do that and with us throughout this week. We lift all this to you in Jesus name and all God's people said. Amen. You know, there's a question I ask uh, people usually when I meet them for the first time and it can be kind of confusing. And I realize that because I always get qualifiers, but I ask, where are you from? And people say, well, what do you mean where I'm from originally? Do you mean a, a city? You mean my street address? Do you want to know where I live? Uh, do you want to know where I grew up, where I was born? When we hear that question, where are you from? What does it mean to you? You know, I was challenged uh, a few years ago. I was at a conference and it was a conference about how to share your faith story in our modern day context, how to talk about Christ to people. And one of the things they said is, man, you need to you need to figure out your story. And so one of the things they challenged us to do was to write down, uh, and answer the question, where are you from? And not base it just on a place, but base it on, uh, but answer that in the context of all the places, the people, and the moments in our lives that answer that question, where are you from? And so I want to share with you what I wrote that day, this morning. Here it goes. I'm from my grandmother's garden from my next-door neighbor's Band-Aid when I fell. I'm from the forest behind my house, the cemetery with the barbed wire fence. I'm from the cattail fights with my friends in the playground where we'd meet. I'm from the cowboy hat and the BB gun that became mine in Texas. I'm from the place where friends became family, community mattered. I'm from the West Texas hills, the North Carolina trees, the hot Texas sun, and the wide-open skies of Norman. I'm from mess ups and mistakes. I'm from a new creation set free. I'm from hope, promise and love seen through the eyes of the other part of me. I'm from a place I've never seen, but have known every single day. You know, we all have a story. We all have events and influences, places we've been, people who've been deeply a part of our life that make our story who we are. They are part of us so much that they've influenced who we've become. And I'll be honest, maybe I'm going to be completely honest. I was a bit nervous to share all that with you because our stories make us vulnerable. Would you agree? When we begin to tell about where we're from, what influenced us and who we're really a part, when we start to talk about who we really are, we're exposed and made vulnerable. And we want to hold on to those stories, Right. I mean, we want to protect them so that nobody else can criticize it or, or, uh, you know, take it away from us. And so I want to challenge that idea today that these aren't our stories to protect. These stories are meant to be told. They're God's, uh, they're God given stories in our lives. And stories are powerful. I mean, look at our culture today. It's based on entertainment in a lot of ways. And you go to the, you watch TV, you read a good book, you go to the movie. Stories are central. Good storytelling is essential, uh, is essential and a central part of our culture today. The Apostle Paul believed that that our stories can be powerful and that they weren't meant to be held in. He was under arrest for sharing his faith, and he was kind of strange because he was excited about that, and he was on trial. And you see his story, where he's from changed dramatically when he encountered the risen jesus christ on the road and he was on his way to persecute those who followed jesus but in that moment he met christ this vision came down from heaven this jesus christ appeared he was already resurrected and, and had ascended into heaven and he had come down and met paul on the road and paul was converted immediately and so paul as a result of his encounter with Jesus Christ, is on a mission for the rest of his life to get this story out. To tell the story of Christ and invite others to follow Jesus. And this is true for all of us. This isn't just for, uh, for Paul or leaders of the church. We all have a story to tell. And we all have a mission to tell the world about Jesus Christ. We have an opportunity to share the good news of Christ in our lives. And we're on that mission. And so today, I want to share just some practical, uh, helpful, I think, tools and ways that we can develop a story, find ways to share that story practically with the people around us. And I want to just say one point about this. When we talk about our stories, you know, Paul, he had a vision from Christ. I know I said that, but he had this moment that if you didn't start following Christ after that moment, I mean, I don't know what, what you were doing at that time, but he had that moment where he had, he was converted. He There was nothing that was going to stand in his way. And, and can I tell you, that tends to be the exception, not the rule for most Christians. Uh, I know that some of us can point back to a calendar date. Maybe some of us have, have heard an audible voice of Jesus Christ coming into our lives or have had a dream where Christ has spoken to us. I, I believe in those. those. That's true. But I think for many of us, that's not true for us. For many of us, we can't point to a calendar date. At least that's not true for me. And I'm wondering if maybe you can relate to that. For me, my faith is gradual. I grew up in the church. Jesus has been a part of my household since before I could remember. I was baptized at the age of 10. My encounter happened extremely early. And so I can't point back at one calendar date and say, man, that's the moment that Jesus Christ came into into my life. What I can do is I can point back into a series of dates and say, man, these are the moments... And I really experienced Christ at work in my life. And I either made a commitment to follow him deeper. And I grew uh, spiritually in my life. I grew to be more mature. Or Christ did something in me that I just can't explain. And all of a sudden, things changed. I can point back to a bunch of dates. uh, But here's what's true for me and may be true for you. My faith took root over time. That's okay. At least I hope it's okay because that's true for me. So. But if you have your Bibles with you, I want to invite you to turn to Acts chapter 26, verses nine, our scripture passage today. And I just, you know, the reason I I chose this scripture practically, Paul is telling his story. He's on trial, but he's he's telling his story. He's telling the before I met Christ, my encounter with Christ and what my life looks like now because of Christ. I mean, that's that's his story that he's telling. And he's standing. He's already been on trial for a little while. He's. Been in front of some uh, some folks. And he just keeps moving on to the, the next person, the next person. And he's finally said, look, I just want to tell my story to, to the emperor of Rome. I want to go talk to Caesar. Because he's a Roman citizen, he can do that. And so on his way, before he, he's sent off, he's before King Agrippa. And he's about to be sent to Rome and, and take his story to Caesar. And so this is him addressing King Agrippa. And so in verse 9, this is his before... I met Christ. Part of the story he says uh, nine and ten. I, too, was convinced that I ought to do all that was possible to oppose the name of Jesus of Nazareth. And that is just what I did in Jerusalem on the authority of the chief priests. I put many of the Lord's people in prison. And when they were put to death, I cast my vote against them. That's his before I met Christ part of the story. And then he he goes on. And in verse 14 through 16, He talks about that vision, that his encounter with Christ on the road. And this is what he said, that Christ had appeared to him in a vision. And the Lord said, I am Jesus of Nazareth. The Lord said, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? It's hard for you to kick against the goads. And then Paul asked, well, who are you, Lord? And the voice responded, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. The Lord replied, now get up. And stand on your feet. I have appeared to you to appoint you as a servant and as a witness of what you have seen and will see of me. And so this is his encounter with Christ. He's he's explaining what happened when he met Jesus. And then in verse 19, it says what this explains. he, He begins to share his result of his encounter. He says, so then King Agrippa, I was not disobedient to the vision from heaven. In other words... I did everything Jesus told me to do because I was so compelled by it. There was nothing else I could do after meeting Jesus. So here's my first point this morning. When we follow Jesus Christ, we all have a redemption story to tell. And, and this is true for me and what I think. You know, no matter how boring it may seem in your life and no, no matter how little you may think that redemption story uh, has been because you feel like it's just been consistent, it's not boring. It's exciting and no matter how broken or lost your story may seem and how much against Jesus Christ you were before We all have a redemption story to tell because Jesus because of Jesus our stories are redeemed and because of that redemption they have to be told and Paul was so enamored with his story He was so excited to share his story that he took it all the way to Rome where he was put to death for sharing his story to the ruler of the Roman Empire. But what makes this message so powerful is that's exactly the mission Paul knew that he was on. He said, no matter what, my job is to share this story. And the more people I can share it with, the better I'm doing my job. He couldn't help but tell it. Paul had a deep conviction in Christ. And you know, those folks that you've met who just, I mean, it permeates. You meet them and you know they have a deep conviction in Christ. That every decision they make, everything that they're about, man, it is just central to who they are. Because when someone has a deep conviction in Christ, it's compelling. A writer uh, for GQ magazine uh, did this article. And she's a non-practicing Jew. And she was interviewing the pastor in New York City of the Hillsong Church. And his name is Carl Lentz. And this was uh, the Hillsong Church in New York City is one of the fastest growing, largest churches up there. And she wrote in GQ as if she was like still surprised that she actually liked talking to this guy. And she goes, and I quote, and here I have to say out loud how much I like Carl. I like him even though he's ideologically opposed to things that are important to me. But he's so worried about my soul and this should annoy me. But instead, it touches me because I'm worried about, maybe I'm worried about my soul too. And Carl wants so badly for me to enjoy heaven with them. How can I fault somebody who is more sincere about this one thing than I ever have been about anything in my life? But on the other hand, there's one thing that I know about Christianity. It's that no matter the culture it's a part of, it's still afraid for your soul. It thinks that you're in for a reckoning and it's still Christianity. Christianity's jam, whole jam, she says, is remaining Christian. And so here it is. Jesus Christ came to save us from darkness, to mend our broken relationship with God. That's why Christ came. And Christ came because he had a deep concern and care for every single one of us. And when we follow Jesus Christ, we see others the way he sees us. We begin to have a deep care and concern for those around us. And so we need to find opportunities and places where we can share that concern by sharing our story with people who don't know Jesus Christ. In Colossians chapter four, verse five, Paul says that the bottom line is this. Be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. And will you read this part with me? Make the most of every opportunity. You know, I know that we have these stories to tell. We want to I'm sure that we're all just uh, chomping at the bit to go out and say, hey, do you know who Jesus is? But the reality is we're not going to get a, a, a lot of opportunity in random people that we meet to say, to tell our faith story. Typically that's not going to happen. Everybody's so rushed and moving around. We don't get, we don't get a lot of time with people. And so a lot of times maybe the most, making the most of an opportunity is just praying that God would give us that opportunity. And then making Christ central to our conversation. Or at least talking about why faith is so central to us. Or at least planting seeds in someone. Identifying yourself as a Christian. And then just carrying on with grace and love and care in your conversation. You know, I've found that the best way to start to talk about Jesus Christ in a conversation. To begin to tell my redemption story. Seriously, this is the most practical thing I think I can say all day. One of the ways, if you're meeting somebody, you can simply ask the question, hey, what church do you go to? Either they're going to say, hey, I go to, you know, so-and-so church, or they're going to say, oh, I don't go to church. I don't believe in God. Or they'll say, well, I grew up going to church, but, man, those Christians are really weird people, and I am not going back through those doors. And that's your opportunity to be Christ to that person, to maybe change their perspective. But that is... Just one of the simplest things that we can do is to start that conversation. So here's my second point. Put yourself in places where you can talk with people who don't know Jesus and make the most out of that opportunity. And you know, maybe the best way to do that, or I think the best way to do that is to pray. To pray that God would give you that opportunity today. Or to begin to pray for the people around you and say, God, just give me one person this week. Just give me one person where everything kind of aligns just right and it's not a weird conversation it does, i'm not nervous i'm not hesitant and they receive it well just give me that opportunity lord maybe that's the prayer we need to begin praying this week you know i was talking to somebody the other day who prayed that prayer one morning she prayed that prayer and she said lord i've got a story to tell i don't need to tell the whole thing i just want to go out and i want to talk about you to somebody if Lord, will you give me that opportunity? And so she went to the store to buy a computer and she was talking to a sales associate. Turns out this guy used to be uh, used to practice another faith. And at the time, he'd, he'd left that faith and he was uh, dating a Christian and they go to church every Christmas and Easter. And so she began to say, hey, well, here's why I go to church every day. This is, or every Sunday, if she went to church every day, that would be uh, incredible. And she began to say, man, this is why this is so essential. This is why this is so a part of my life because I need a faith community to carry me through in times when I can't see Jesus in my life. And so she began to talk about how vital that is for her faith to the sales associate. And then one of his colleagues came up and be, another sales associate came up and said, hey, uh, you're, so you're a Christian. Well, you know, I don't believe in God. I'm an agnostic. Um, but they began to talk, the three of them. And by the end of it, she was like, Alright guys, I've got my computer, I gotta go. Lord, thank you, that was good enough, bye! She said as she, as she began to walk away, they said, you know, you are one of the nicest Christians we've ever met. You're, you're not judgmental at all. You're not at all what I thought Christians are. And so she began to walk away and she said, you know, they were still talking about that. And it was because she was willing to share just a portion of her redemption story. And that began to plant seeds. She she doesn't know those guys. She's not going to probably get an opportunity to, to do much with them. But she planted seeds in their heart that the Holy Spirit will work out. And you know, I think it's easier to do this. I think it's easier to take all this practical stuff of how to share our faith when we remember the white hot why, as Bill Hybels calls it. Why do we have a faith in the first place? And why does it need to be shared? As Jesus Uh, tells Paul in Acts chapter 26, verse 18. He says, he, he tells Paul to go out and he says, this is your job to open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God. Because here's the deal. What Jesus is saying, and this is true for our lives. Before we know Christ, sin rules our heart. And there's nothing we can do about it. Every desire and thought that we have is ruled by a selfish ambition or thought in our lives. And until we meet Jesus Christ, we won't be the way we were made to be. That's not how we were designed. We were designed to be followers of Christ, to be in relationship with God. And so he's saying, look, I want you to open their eyes and help them to realize they need they're in a dark world. And they need to turn from this. And then when you do that, they may re- Do this so that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified in faith with me. That's why we do this. Friends, there are so many people out there living in a dark and hurting world trying to find purpose and meaning and value in in life. And they're trying and they can't quite figure it out because they haven't met Jesus Christ. And if you have, man, why not share it? Because this is the gospel message. This is why we have to share our faith. Because the broken world who needs Christ, there's a broken world who needs Christ to redeem them. To redeem all of us. And our stories are so important. They're so a part of, of who we are in Christ. And we have to connect our story of Christ, uh, the story of Christ with our story in such a way that people will hear it And that means we have to own it for ourselves. It has to be so a part of us that we've studied Scripture or we understand it uh, that we can go out and tell our story. That we understand Christ's story well enough to be able to go. uh, And we don't have to be Bible scholars. We just have to follow Christ uh, in all that we have. And can I say, if you're here today and you have not had that encounter with Christ yet, friends, I want to tell you that there is so much more to this life. And when Jesus Christ is works in our hearts forgives us and redeems us and make us new life is so much more than we ever thought it could be but here's the thing i know for all of us we're probably not going to go out and in, into uh, most stores and, and lead or new conversations and say hey i'm a christian my name is mark montgomery i'm a christian did i say that yet we're probably not going to lead that way in fact even going out and having some of these conversations and praying, if I'm going to be honest, because I know how I am, I, like when I'm in conversation with new people, especially if I know that they're not Christian, like one of the things I hold out on the longest is to say that I'm a pastor because I just want to have a normal conversation. I don't, want to look, I don't want them to look at me like I've got a third eye. Um, plus, it's great by the time I drop the the fact that I'm a pastor, then they're going back through their heads thinking, man, what did I say? Did I cuss a couple times? <laughs> It's awesome. I love it. It's it's the best thing to do. Don't do that. Um, And so here's the point. The best way that we're going to be able to share our faith story and have a true impact is to build relationships with people who don't know Jesus around us. And so here's my third point. Build relationships with unbelievers. Build those relationships. Begin to ask the question, man, who is around me? Maybe in my neighborhood or or wherever that I need to build an intentional relationship with because they don't know Jesus Christ and they need to. The two greatest commands are to love God and to love our neighbor. We need to love God with all that we have, all of our heart, mind, body, and soul. And we need to love our neighbor as ourselves. And, you know, we read that and we think, yeah, I'll love my neighbor or I'll be nice or I'll love the Christians around me. And, And that's all true. But, you know, I think there's a part that we miss. That we as the church, as people who follow Christ, have to have an influence over this world. We have to have relationships with those who don't follow Jesus Christ. And when we have those relationships, we have to be careful. We have to make sure that we make the most of every opportunity. But here's how Paul says we should function in these relationships. In Colossians 4.6, he says, Let your conversation be full of grace. In other words... Man, people are going to open up to you in ways that they maybe you know haven't before. As you build, it. they're building trust with you. Listen to them. Don't judge them. Don't try to tell them. You know, just listen. Always be full of grace, but seasoned with salt. And so, don't water down the gospel. Have that truth with you and ready to go, so that you may know how to answer everyone. Because look, when you build relationships and the the fact that you're a Christian's revealed, and you, you know you're going through that. And don't hide the fact that you're being a Christian. You know, let that be something that you know you've known. Uh, but when, as you begin to have those conversations, people begin to ask questions about you and what your faith means to you. So be ready to answer those. Own your faith. My wife Melissa and I, we we try to live by this principle. We try at least to have a couple people in our lives who aren't Christian. I mean, we make sure that we have that our inner circle are Christians and who can love and, and support us. But man, we make sure to have close friends too who don't know Jesus Christ because we feel it's our it's one of our missions to build relationships and share Christ. So we were out to dinner with um a couple the other day who, man, they've been a part of our lives for a really long time. And we were out to dinner with them and about halfway through the dinner or towards the end maybe, um, th- they know that we're Christians, uh, but we enjoy each other's company. And about towards the end of dinner... uh, My friend's wife uh, asked, we were talking about funerals. Somehow we came up to the idea of funerals. And she said, Mark, I don't know how you can do funerals, how you can be with people during that moment. She said, because for me, I think dying is like the scariest thing there is. It's got to be terrible for you. And, you know, I took that opportunity to relate to her and say, yeah, dying is extremely scary. I I mean, it's, it's one of the scariest things we, we can all go through, but we all go through it. And then I say, but can I tell you as a Christian, I believe that death isn't the end. Man, that's exciting for me. And I, I say, because, because it's the day I begin a new life in eternity with Christ, and I begin, I begin to tell just a little bit about my redemption story in Christ and how Christ makes us new. And I said, the promise that awaits us, it's so incredible, and I can't wait to see what happens. And I was not shouting like I'm shouting now, but I was, <laughs> I was playing it cool and casual, was like, yeah, it was, uh, you know, it's a pretty cool thing. I'm pretty excited about it. It's, but I, but because we had that relationship, I felt comfortable enough to share it, and I, and so I did. And it, I, maybe I got about uh, you know five minutes in, and then the husband he just changed subject. Like, quickly. He was like, oh, so anyway, we'll check the weather. What's the weather going to be like tomorrow? And, and so I was over there talking. What he didn't know is there's two of us. Okay? And so my wife, Melissa, <laughs> is sitting uh, next to uh, his wife. And then all of a sudden, she turns to Melissa and she says, hey, do you really believe that God is real? And I'm over here talking about the weather, you know, trying not to not to do this. <laughs> like, okay, yeah, this is good. But I hear my wife begin to tell her redemption story to, to our friend. And just begin to say, yeah, I believe that God is real. And He is central to my life. I didn't hear everything she said, but I wish. But that was the first time, and can I tell you, that was the first time we talked about that, had that faith conversation, and it took forever. It took forever. You've got to be so patient when you're building relationships. But it is so worth it. I mean, we walked away that night. Look, we didn't like pray the sinner's prayer with them or anything. I mean, we just kind of kept it casual and you just shared that. Put some seeds in their heart and, and we wanted to stay friends with them. But building that intentional relationship was essential for us to get to that point. And who knows where God will lead us in that moment. But boy, that was exciting. And so what, one of the things I realize as a pastor is I like to talk a lot. And maybe this is true for you, maybe not. And I can get to talking about myself a lot. And that's one of the dangers in sharing our story is that we can talk about ourselves all day long and miss the point of talking about the work that Jesus has done in our life, that the Spirit has been at work. And so we have to stop talking about ourselves and start talking about Jesus. And that's countercultural because it's giving glory to somebody else in a world that wants to hear about me, 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 what's in it for me, what can I do to do things better for me. So our job as Christians is to point in the direction of Jesus, to point into the, in the direction of the perfection. We all have a story. Whether we're planting seeds or building relationships, we have to begin putting that truth of Christ into our lives right now, and we have to be ready for those moments. And so I'm going to invite you, if you have your bulletin, with you. I have to take it out because I put some, hopefully some helpful practical temp, tips on the back of that bulletin for how to share your faith. And this comes out of Bill Heibel's book, Walk Across the Room. It's a great book. There's a study. I'd encourage you to do that, be a part of it. But I want to encourage you to write your story down and uh, write your before Christ, your met Jesus, and you're after Jesus' story down. It's all one story with those three parts. This is your redemption story. This is God's redemption story in you. And here are some things that I think might be helpful practically if you're going to write that story down. Keep it short. Keep it brief. You've, these days, man, people are so busy, and especially when they're talking about things they're uncomfortable with, you've got maybe a minute. So write a hundred-word story about of your redemption story. You've got 45 to 60 seconds Make it clear. Make it simple. Don't use big religious words. Just talk about what happened in your life. And, and keep it to one clear message. And here's, I think, the most important thing is stay humble. It's not about you or the, all the prayer you did or these great things that you did. Man, we are pointing in the direction of Jesus. In the direction of the perfection. So hopefully those will help you. And here are some biblical uh, examples of that that I left Scripture references for in your bulletin. The story of Zacchaeus in Luke chapter 19, verse 1 through 9. Here's a one sentence of his life change story. I was gripped by greed, but now I'm gripped by the needs of the poor. The Apostle Paul. There are a ton of different versions of this story throughout Scripture, but here's one that we read today. Acts chapter 26, verse 9 through 19. I devoted myself to killing followers of Christ, but now I'm a devoted one myself. The man who was born with a disability. I was blind, but now I see. Luke chapter 18, verse 35 through 43. You know, I thought it might be helpful for you to hear my story, my hundred-word story. And can I tell you, I was nervous to write this because I'm a pastor, and my redemption story's got to be exciting, and got to Mine's kind of boring, and uh, I was nervous to share that with you because I wanted it to be perfect. And I think that's the hang up we all find is we want our stories to be perfect. And so we never write it. We're never ready to share it. So here's my story. Maybe this will help you. I grew up in the church. I was baptized when I was 10. I did all the right things, but Jesus wasn't the driving force in my life. It felt like I was going through the motions of faith without the benefits. In college, I decided to go all in and follow Jesus with everything I have. It's there that I discovered my true purpose and calling and nothing else made sense after that. But that one thing. Now, I'm far from perfect, but I try to live my life pointing in the direction of Jesus. And with his help, it becomes more natural every day. That's my story. It's a hundred words. Write your story down. Now, I want to challenge you this week. To write your story down. You're before Christ. You're encountering with Christ and what our lives were like because of Christ's story. Keep it brief, humble, easy to understand, and real. And I say this humbly. If this is helpful to you, I put my email address in those next steps. If you want to email me your hundred word or less story. Not so that I can critique it. Not so that I can judge it. But simply so you have a place to send it. So that you can make sure that you've written it down and you've got a place to send it off, I'm willing to be that person, or you can send it to anybody. Um, And so you're you're invited to do that. And if you need more help figuring out this like I did, I want to invite you to read Walk Across the Room by Bill Hybels or engage in that study. It's really cheap Kindle version on Amazon. You can go buy it. It's great. But read that. Begin to figure what that means for yourself. And the other thing we can do is, uh, a few weeks ago I challenged us, to spend 30 days, uh, at 15 minutes a day in a chair praying, reading devotional, praying for others, praying for ourselves. If you're continuing to do that, that challenge ends on June 7th, uh, or 6th, depending on how you count days. Uh, but that challenge is gonna end soon, in just over a week and a half, or just under a week and a half. So, maybe take this time, if you're taking that challenge, to begin to pray for people. Pray for just one person or a family that you can share your story with. Pray for that over the next few days. Invite them to our upcoming sermon series. Take notes. Get your journal. Take notes and reflect on Jesus Christ in your life. And go out and share it. That's that's the biggest thing we can do is build these relationships and go out and share a faith story. And so I've given you these challenges. What you do with it is up to you. But it would be really exciting to see a community transformed by a room full of people who go out and this is so central to their lives. Jesus is that they can't help but tell that story. And whether you're just coming to faith or you're beginning your faith journey or you're been a part of it forever, Christ is working in your life. So seeing that and putting the pieces of his story together with your story and being a part of God's great big story, one of the most important things we can do in our lives. And so I want to invite us to, to spend time figuring that that out because Friends, we are the ones who are on the mission to share that story. We are His witness to the world. And we've been given a mission and an opportunity to influence others by sharing our own redemption story in Christ. Will you do it? Will you go out and share it?